Welcome everyone, I am Michael, your host for Depaganizing the Gospels. In this episode, I will be discussing the depaganization of Matthew, chapters 13 and 14. The first note is about a prophecy from Isaiah, beginning with verse 14. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. This is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9-10. through 10. It is another example of the few relevant and contextually accurate references to ancient prophecy attributed to the words of Christ, who knew the text of the Torah and Talmud, which included the book of Enoch, prior to the pagan editorializations and alterations made to them during the second temple period. This prophecy also proves that Isaiah's warning about the lie of virgin birth was not understood because it had the purpose of showing the people their faithlessness. A man born of a virgin impregnating by God was a pagan ideology accepted by Greeks and Romans. The next note is about verse 30. Verse 30 says, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tying them into bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. The prophecy of God's eternal truth is foretold in this passage by Christ himself. All who reject the eternal truth will perish because they are the weeds. God has allowed the corrupted text of the New Testament to exist because the truly faithful will receive the Holy Spirit and they will come to know the eternal truth and reject the pagan lies of the Antichrist who has sown the weeds of lies among the truth. Those who believe in the lies of the Antichrist who says that Jesus was the Son of God are the weeds, and they will burn in the apocalyptic fire of God's wrath. Jesus does explain this parable in other terms throughout the following verses, but the word of God's eternal truth is the wheat among the weeds. It may be important to understand that the weeds will be tied together in bundles to be burned, before the wheat is gathered, the weeds are those who will gather in the churches of their false religions based on a belief that a man became God. On Judgment Day, the wheat of the faithful will be gathered in the rapture and separated from the weeds who tell lies and profess false religions. If there might be some doubt regarding the truth of this prophecy, spoken by the guidance and gift of God's Holy Spirit, then consider verse 32, which says, Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. The prophecy of how the eternal truth will be the least accepted of all prophecies, but its truth is greater than any other. Verse 33 provides further proof and elaboration. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. The prophecy of how the eternal truth can be found throughout the New Testament, although it is mixed with the dough of many pagan lies. The next note is about verse 35. So it was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. This is from Psalm 78, verse 2. It is relevantly acceptable for this scripture to have been spoken by Jesus, who was a descendant of David as prophesied by this ancestral relationship and his own actions. Unlike many other scriptural references made by pagan editors of the testimonies, this one can truly be attributed to Christ. 
The next note is about verse 39, which validates another prophecy. Verse 39 says, And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. This is a prophetic reference to the revelations of John chapter 14, which validates the prophecy within that text to have been corroborated in the words of Christ during his ministry. There is a correction in verse 41. The depaganized version reads, God will send out his angels, and they will weed out from his kingdom everyone who causes sin and all who do evil. While it has been shown that Christ's reference to himself as son of man is acceptable, he would not have referred to himself as the owner of the reaping angels as appears in the original paganized text. The pagan editor was quite tricky, but it is unacceptable for Christ to have said that the angels of heaven belong to him. The truth is that Christ will be giving command of God's angels to reap the righteous from the earth, but sinners and the unrighteous will be left behind for their pagan blasphemy. The next note is evidence that the correction and the depaganization of this text is accurate. Verse 43, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 43 is proof validating the correction made in the previous verse. The pagan editor was tricky, but he was also ignorant. He did not alter the true words of Christ in this verse, which differs in contextual meaning from the previous verse in the pagan version of the text. Jesus was fraudulently credited with stating that the angels in the kingdom are his when the angels and kingdom are God's. And verse 43 clearly says the kingdom is the Father's. This next note is about verse 57. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and his own house is a prophet without honor. This is proof that Jesus did not say he was son of God. He clearly refers to himself as a prophet, the son of man. Jesus never thought or spoke of himself to be the son of God the way pagans have stated it in their blasphemous theologies and editorialized text that are the basis of a false religion known as Catholicism. Jesus referred to himself as son of man because the prophets of old were also sons of men and they often referred to themselves as son of man. This next note is about chapter 14 verse 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. This is evidence of Christ's true character that will be fraudulently contradicted in the testimonies of Luke and John. The testimony of Matthew becomes the least fraudulently edited and most accurate telling of the life of Jesus and the person he was. He was compassionate, not self-absorbed as portrayed in the fraudulently created Gospels of John and Luke. The next note is about the feeding of the multitude, which appears in verses 19 through 21. The feeding of the multitude was a miracle from God and not one of the archangel powers or spiritual gifts. This event is an example of God's powerful signs that divinely proved Jesus was the chosen one and heir to the throne of Israel. The multiplication of food resulted from Christ's prayer to ask for the blessing of God's power. Jesus did not have the power to multiply food nor calm the seas and winds, but he prayed to the Father whose response was to do these miracles as proof that Jesus truly was the anointed one the Christ, whom God had chosen to be the heir to the throne of David and rule Israel as king of the Jewish people who were the descendants of Enoch. The last note in this episode is the omission of verses 24 through 33. This one is surely going to irritate some die-hard pagan heretics out there. The telling of Jesus walking on the lake is a pagan editorialization and fraud that has been a curse on the text by portraying Jesus to have powers that were not given to him by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The proof of this is in the reference to the fourth watch of night which was a pagan concept. It was a pagan Roman concept referring to what they called the devil's hour or the witching hour when satanic events occurred. 
The point of the editorialization was to insinuate that Christ had powers of sorcery. The power over nature, the winds, planets, and stars was given to Uriel, one of God's seven archangels, but that power was not given to Jesus. These powers over nature were associated with Moses, who parted the Red Sea, but it was always God's power given to the archangel Uriel. Well, there is no denial in this deletion that the faith of Christ was greater than any other man. Jesus was not God. It has been pagans who injected this fraud into the text as a curse, and the goal of depaganizing the text is to remove these curses as guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not walk on water because he was not a sorcerer, nor was this power a gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not walk on water. The event was a fraudulent editorialization, and it was inserted into the text to support the paganization of the story of Jesus Christ by insinuating that he had the powers of a sorcerer. Jesus received the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he had the abilities that were the same abilities that others may receive when receiving the second birth of the Holy Spirit. Walking on water is not one of the spiritual gifts. That's all the time we have for this episode. Be sure to subscribe for notifications. As always, thank you for listening. I am Michael. He did not walk on water. It didn't happen. <laughs>